Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Trader Cop Crypto Show. Today I have a returning guest in Michaela Jurek. She is the Bitcoin babe, has an amazing story which you may or may not be privy to. We're joined here with her to talk about what's going on across the Bitcoin market. Thank you for your time. Thank you for having me again. Look, a lot has changed, okay? You have been operating on local Bitcoins for years, right? Yes, five years this week, actually. Five, okay. So when, I mean, look, for those that don't know, local Bitcoins is a place you can buy and sell or trade Bitcoin globally. And it was probably the easiest way, perhaps, back in the early days to actually transact. It wasn't as simple as just going and putting your credit card in and sending money across and bam. It was a lot more difficult back in those days. And McCullough's been there from those days. Why has it recently changed? Because local Bitcoins has decided they, they don't want to be local anymore and out of nowhere decided they were going to cancel everyone's cash transactions. Right. So what did that mean for your business? Um, well, for me personally, I, I didn't see much of a change because local, I mean, cash transactions were kind of a, a falling trend anyway because we were seeing a lot of people moving to online methods mm. um, just out of you know convenience. Um, but in terms of, of countries where, you know, debanking or, you know, the inability to actually hold a bank account uh, is, you know, quite difficult. Um, the whole, you know, deleting local cash trades as a payment method really hurt them. What was the reason for doing it? We didn't actually get a reason initially. Oh. So <laughs> as you do, you just wake up one morning and your cash trades are gone. You're just like, oh, okay, fair enough. But it, so the reason didn't come until about a week later and it was actually to do with the regulatory climate. So apparently, um, so local Bitcoins are now come under the European uh, regulatory stuff. Yeah, yeah, I hear what you're saying. Yeah, yep. A whole bunch of <laughs> mess there. Um, but I believe it's just been sort of thrown in the too hard basket and so it was just easier for local bitcoins to pretty much just destroy local cash trade listings because you've been one of the biggest brokers in australia i know we've got a global audience here we're just talking to this particular country which is becoming especially in new south wales which uh, michaela is in new south wales a very much a, a nanny state you, you know it's it's becoming very much a joke but yeah. what was it around the kyc that the first issue started to arise i mean Back in the day, I could rock up to your place for 100 grand with a suitcase and you'd give me a, a treaser or a ledger or whatever wallet you want to have and you'd give me the Bitcoin, right? Right. That's exactly how it worked. So I could be um, very anonymous and I could yeah. be a drug dealer. I could be a money launder. I could be all these different things. But when did it change to KYC and AML? When Austrac stepped in, who were our lovely government regulatory body, uh, which was April 2018. Okay. So it's a... I mean, as far as crypto is concerned, it's not new. No, no. It's, it's been over 12 months now. Yeah. Okay. Now, asking about your client, I suppose, did you see, I mean, April 2018, we were, I went to New York in May and we were bouncing around, I think, nine to 10,000 back then in yeah. May of 2018. We, we just had the big come off and then we saw yeah. the bounce of January, then the come off again. And it was, there was still optimism in New York when I was at Consensus, yep. but obviously we saw it come off a lot further. Mm-hmm. Did you see the willingness to use your service as a broker where you can actually speak to, person, sorry, speak to a person to do your deals? Did you see it drop at that stage due to KYC? Or yeah, absolutely. Due to the market? 
Oh, absolutely. Because essentially what happened was with, with KYC and running KYC as a part of a, a crypto business, you know, 18 months ago, you were really just doing it out of due diligence. So it was really just to stop fraud. There was no real, you know, I guess need to do, you know, ETF checks, right. Um, because, you know, obviously you would do that from an ethical standpoint. Like obviously mm. as a trader, I don't want to be selling Bitcoin to somebody that wants to deal drugs or promote kitty porn or something like that. Um, but yeah, like lost where I am now. <laughs> Where's your issue lie? I mean, is it in the KYC or is it in the, in the, the, yeah. Latin, so, right? okay. Bitcoin. For example, like where, where we're in a, a very digital world already, very digital space, we can track where bank transfers are going and everything else. Mm. Um, nowadays with the, with the ver- verification and the KYC checking, if you wanted to sell, say, $10 worth of Bitcoin to, for me to go and pay your bank, like yeah. your um, phone bill for you, you would have to go through the same KYC rigmarole as if you were going to buy $100,000 worth of cash, like with, sorry, worth of Bitcoin with cash. And I think, and that's where there's, there's this massive discrepancy because it's like, why, why is that so aggressive? It's essentially like, you know, asking for everything by your blood now. Look, I can see both sides of it though, Michaela. I mean, if, if like, for example, if I'm going to go and get a phone bill, if mm-hmm. I'm going to go and get a phone, I'm going to fill out paperwork. I'm going to give my payment details. They're going to check my credit score. Yeah. I have to do that. But you only do it once. Yes. Same thing with you, right? If someone wants to pay $10 worth of bills or $70 or 100000 or buying Bitcoin or whatever, it's the same process. You do it once and then it's on the record. Is that correct? You do it. See, it depends on service to service because Austracks, they don't really provide recommendations, but there is sort of a industry standard that you're supposed to do it every 12 months, two years. But if the customer isn't changing their information, well, then it, there's really no point in you know, checking it again. The information doesn't change. So, so do you have to each year, let's go, uh, we've just finished here in Australia, a financial year, mm-hmm. a few days ago. Mm-hmm. Does that mean that if a, a client comes back to you and let's say it falls in that year period, right? That 12 month period, whatever, whatever it starts and finishes, does that mean they need to, update their details or is it only just the same as a phone bill when you move you update well if the customers move then they would have to contact me and let me know essentially like your bank like if you move you know house then you'd have to say to your bank hey look i've changed address so you send my statements here yeah Uh, so we're we're essentially expected to do the same thing but really i i don't really see the point considering it's all it's all an online environment anyway like it doesn't matter if you're you know, here or on Perth, like <laughs> you're still going to be receiving that crypto to the same spot. So I'm doing the side to side head because I can see both sides of it. Yeah. Right. I understand the digital nature of, of our, of our space. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and, and the address means very little to the transaction, very little yeah. to the seller, very little yeah. to the buyer. Yeah. Once they're confirmed as who they are, they are who they are. They've passed their checks and they're now on the system. Right. The, the, the area that I, I see is the head, not either side is that you know if if i want to let, let's say i do something wrong and i'm a fugitive mm-hmm. i'm not going to give you my address they want to have it updated so therefore if i don't have a fixed place of address and let's say i just robbed a bank and pulled four million bucks out of a, at the back of a brinks car or whatever i've got four million dollars cash now i want to turn that into bitcoin so i can go anywhere in the world because it's very difficult to jump on a plane with four million dollars cash i would <laughs> suspect i've never tried that but you know that is the easiest way for them to escape mm-hmm. things they have done in their past. So why, 
why would there be an issue with that to deal with people like you who are a broker, who help people hold their hand, walk them through the process? Why should that be an issue for your clients? I think because there was a certain expectancy of, of anonymity when people came in and dealt with brokers as opposed to traditional services like, you know, CoinJar, CoinTree, all those sorts of things, which are predominantly online services. Um, So, you know, when you're sort of dealing with with cash and crypto, like I said, there's a certain expectation of privacy uh, and that information wasn't going to get sold or passed on to, you know, the ATO or anything else because now that's all starting to get cracked down on as well with the whole reporting to the ATO and the ATO doing their data acquisitions and, data nets and everything else and they're trying they're going around and trying to find people who have purchased bitcoin and haven't claimed it on their tax returns so but the, i mean for, here's here's my conundrum okay and i'm not trying to be annoying but yeah. here's my conundrum those that hold crypto yeah. want their crypto to go up right yeah. they Absolutely. Do. that's the, we're all speculators in this space for for a lack of a better word. Yeah, sure. Yep. Some people want to change the world. I'm all for that. Yep. But we are also speculators and it's changed mm-hmm. a lot of people's lives. Mm-hmm. But if that is to be the case, then we need to bring in new money. And the only way we can bring that new money, this is where I've got a, a, a not an issue, but a, a question mark around how much people understand of how financial markets work mm-hmm. and how moves work within markets based off the back of money coming in, if there's no regulation around it, then it's not a legitimate market. Therefore, you do not get those hordes and masses. So what would you prefer to give up, your privacy or your money? <laughs> Look, um... Yeah, that's a tough question. But I think, but this is the thing though, you know, you talk about the regulatory environment that's supposed to legitimize, you know, Bitcoin and crypto and everything else. I can tell you now that, you know, coming through and, you know, having to register with Austrac and having to go through the same rigmarole as what a bank would has mm. changed nothing on the banking situation here in Bitcoin. So we're still having bank accounts shut down. We're still having transactions that are getting reversed for no reason. Mm. You know, I think it's all fine and good to have new money brought into the system. But if you can't get that money into crypto, you know, by the use of a bank account, like what's, what's the point? I get that. I, I totally, there's no reason a bank should dictate how you spend your money. Mm-hmm. I, I'm all for that. And I, yeah. I applaud cryptocurrency and Bitcoin you know, as the major one for the ability for us to do that. Mm-hmm. But I also, I also understand that as a trader and someone who spent 13 years in financial markets, mm-hmm. that from my point of view, and not everyone needs to agree with me. I'm not here to be friends with everybody or to agree with everybody. From my point of view, what I see is that the conversation is typically we want the market to go up yeah. more or less. Mm-hmm. How do we make that market go up? And, and the other thing is the, the, the biggest thing is, Oh, Bitcoin's an inclusive environment. Everyone's welcome. Everyone can buy some Bitcoin except for you and you and you and you and you, because you're already wealthy and you don't get any. So there's a, there's still this big disparity between the haves and the have nots and the egos of certain individuals, which is like, if you want to be inclusive, be inclusive. You are going to have to deal with some regulation if you want this market to step to the next level. There's too many big businesses in this space that require that. Now, Bitcoin can mm-hmm. still be relatively anonymous if you yes. got it a while back. And there are ways around it. I'm sure I've got no idea. I run businesses that do all our taxes, do everything legitimately. And I've got no problem with that. So the, I don't have that anarchism um, bone in my body. I'm not, I'm not so concerned about that. But I wasn't somebody who got into it through anarchy. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? There seems to be a seesaw that won't meet in the middle. 
Yeah, and I think that's what the problem is going to be because I think the absolutely I think there there needs to be some form of a regulatory environment in this, and that's to stop you know bad things happening and it mm. being treated as you know like I said in the terms of anarchy. But I think if you come too hard with the regulation like they have here, what you're going to essentially find is that you're going to create like this black market and this underworld of of bitcoin trading where you've got people that are just doing these you know one-off cashies and all all around the place and you it's essentially going to create like a you know like i said an underground bitcoin market which the government won't be able to attract be it you know austrac ato they're not going to be able to track that kind of stuff especially if we're talking crypto cash like it's it's going to become very right right? sorry that market already exists yeah Oh yeah, absolutely. It already exists, and but and this is the thing. Like, if they're not that's going to do something, map. hey, that's what put Bitcoin on the map. <laughs> well, you know, I, I'm, I won't go into that stuff. I've never done anything illegal before. I'm a good girl. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like, I, I, I'm I'm sort of sitting in between both camps. I got one foot in each. I, I'm I'm agnostic. I, mm-hmm. What it is, I hold my opinions. I hold my views. But for me, it's a market. That's what it is. It's a market, and some people like me for that. Some people don't. Mm-hmm. I don't really mind who does and who doesn't. I, I'm who I am and I operate the way I operate and you're not going to change me. Yes. I want to change the next person, right? We mm-hmm. have our own belief systems. We have our own ideals. Mm-hmm. You know, I suppose I, I might be looking at it too much from a market and business point of view mm-hmm. and less from the whole uh, social freedom point of view. I support the social freedom. Don't get me wrong. I would love to see that. But I also believe that we do need to have some form of structure in our, in our society, given if we're going to trade a shell for a shell, whether it be a Bitcoin or a dollar or a euro or a sterling pound, yep. we are going to be in trade. Now, if we're going to be in trade, there needs to be some kind of governance. Otherwise, we go back to a period of which it is the Wild West and crypto is called the Wild West for many, many reasons. I, for one champion regulation but i need to make sure that when i say that it's also with a caveat don't try and stop it don't overdo it i think the australian tax uh office the ato especially around the tax man it's hard work oh yeah absolutely but i mean at the same time like for example you know you're you come to me you want to sell a hundred dollars worth of bitcoin to me you know you have to go through these id checks and everything else um now, what happens if you wanted to go out for dinner, you know, take your lovely partner out for dinner and you want to pay with Bitcoin? Do you have to go through those same ID checks? Well, to get the credit card, yeah. Well, no, no. If you wanted to pay for that dinner with Bitcoin, well, would you have... What's the difference between paying with Bitcoin and paying with money in my bank with a card? That's what I'm trying to work myself out around here. Well, I realise that, but what I'm saying is, is like... When you're dealing with me as a broker, as opposed to using your Bitcoin oh, as, a currency, as, a tra- as, yeah, as a transaction. Yeah. Okay. Well, you act as the bank in that case, right? Mm-hmm. If I if I want to have Bitcoin on my application on my phone, mm-hmm. and the said restaurant wants to accept that Bitcoin, yep. then I need to get it there somehow onto that wallet. Mm-hmm. Now, I have to go through you. There might be five hundred dollars or a hundred dollars, as the example state. Mm-hmm. So. I go through you with $100 to do the KYC and the AML, which will take mm-hmm. X amount of whatever time. Yep. Then I'm good to go, right? You can issue me that. It's all on record. It's all good. Then I can go and pay for my lunch or my dinner. Mm-hmm. Now, what I'm trying to get my head around, mm-hmm. right? Because I don't need to do a KYC to pay for dinner with Bitcoin. Right. Just the same as I don't need to fill out forms and register with the bank to pay for a lunch. Mm-hmm. 
there's a stepping stone. That stepping stone is the, the, the intermediary, which you are, you're the bank in the mm-hmm. bank's case and the bank is in most people's cases. Mm-hmm. What is the difference? Well, in, in terms of, of governance and everything, there, there's really no difference. Like we're all essentially the same, same thing. So what's the problem? So what's the problem? Yeah. Well, because I think we're under the same regulatory pressure as, as banks. So it's about freedom. But we're not, right. But we're, we're not. They don't cut you any slack. Same. We're given all the negatives, but not the positives. Right. Okay. That makes sense. And look, I'm not trying to grill you here, Michaela. I'm trying <laughs> to understand it better from my own perspective because yeah. from, I mean, the thing is you're not a bank. You, you know, no. you're, you're not worth $16 billion and turning over $9 billion a quarter or whatever, whatever, yeah. whatever. I guess the point I'm trying to reach is that they may be slowing down the internal marketplace, which is the vendors. Mm-hmm. You are. Like yes. if, if we compare it to traditional markets, they can be a small broker house that, you know, that broker might turn over 10 million a year mm-hmm. in, in all total volume. And that's pretty small. Yeah. Yep. Now they're trying to stop you or slow you from having a similar type of business to what a broker would if I was broking as an individual in my office right now, calling my clients. Right. Right. And that was the shift. Yes. They're trying to shut you out or they just trying to make it difficult or is it just the legislation? <sighs> Look, to be honest with you, I think it's a little bit of both in terms of trying to shut us out and, and legislation because when the legislation was first sort of brought out, um, in terms of like, so what I do, which is the, the peer-to-peer, the brokerage side of things through local Bitcoins, mm-hmm. um, nobody from our side of the fence was, you know, contacted or asked, you know, what is your input on this? You know, can you give input on this? Um, yeah, so which is essentially, so when all these regulatory things came out and they were just like, okay, you need to start, you know, abiding to these rules. Well, as a trader that uses a service like local bitcoins or, or any of the other ones, some of these rules were near impossible to abide by. Got it. So when you're, so then when you go back to these regulators and you say, for example, with Austrack and you say, hey, like, what am I meant to do about this part I can't do I can't fulfill that does that just make me an illegal trader like and it's not even they have the answers to give in in those scenarios half the time so you like essentially for the past 18 months we've all been living in this gray zone of you know in fear of uh, the the government's going to come through any minute and shut us down like the ABC hey like the ABC Exactly right. So, and I think where, where the concern is, is that, is that you have like a, you know, the government's come through, they've regulated. If there's certain people that don't fit into that mould, it's sort of, like I said, you're going to get shut out. Um, you know, it's kind of pre- like starting that same sort of environment as what we're seeing with the banks. You have big four banks, you have a few credit unions that are surrounded by that. And that's all that's been there for the last, whatever, hundred years. Mm-hmm. Now we're still, so, we're now starting to see all these, you know, smaller pop-up banks that are coming through because they've eased that regulatory environment. Mm-hmm. But that's been like how long in the making? Yeah. Decades. Do we, do we have decades of time before, you know, we have, you know, three or four actual Bitcoin companies that are selling, you know, and then we end up, you know, in this environment where, like I said, the big four banks, they just, they own the majority of the market. I think it, with the regulation, the way it's going, we're going to see that same thing happen. 
Well, you know what? It took a little while, but that's what I wanted from you. I wanted to understand <laughs> where it sat. I wanted to see the passion. We got that. I totally understand now. Like, I, I just couldn't get my head around, okay, well, it doesn't seem like such a big deal. It's like we're all used to doing that. But the way you've explained it here, it's, it's more about if you do a blanket ban, what you're doing is you're hurting small business. Right, you're hurting innovation. You're hurting, and what often when it comes to legislation and regulation, they just go, "Well, here's what we've done in the past." Whooshka across the board. It's like, well, you know, you, we're not. I'm not going to my team of six QCs to go through the whole process to make sure that I'm, you know, fitting in with the same legislation as the bank. Exactly right. I can't do that. So it, it, it's it's stifling innovation. It's stifling small business and creation within this sector and as a country, Australia, for one. If we don't start to invest in technology in our future, well, I mean, coal's going to die. It's mm-hmm. not going to last very long. I'm fearful for my children. So on that, I understand where you're coming from. And I thank you for your time. Okay, tell us where, if you want to buy a Bitcoin and you want someone to hold your hand or a part of a Bitcoin, where do we do that in Australia? You would go to www.bitcoin-babe.com and you can check out where I'm offering my services now. It's still on local Bitcoins, but also available on local CoinSwap if you're interested in dealing in cash. Excellent. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you as always, Michaela. And for those that are in Sydney, we have a crypto meetup happening in the West. And what are those dates, Michaela? So that's on the 16th of July, which is between 7 p.m. and 9 p.m. So that's for the first ever Western Sydney crypto meetup, which I will be hosting. And I will be joined by my fantastic guest of yours, truly. Yes, I will be there. I'll be talking all things. I don't know what, but definitely Bitcoin. Thank you so much for your time, Michaela. And look forward to seeing you at the Western Sydney, the first ever crypto meetup. Thank you very much for your time today and have a fantastic day. Bye for now. Thank you. Bye.